out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Omnicast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films you will never discuss in the course of a film studies class. This week's film is the host pick and swan song of one Arthur Gordon. Uh, it is the film The Wolf of Wall Street. It is also the swan song for the Good Trash uh, genre cast of Caleb Masters, although he'll still be appearing on the Good Trash Media Network at Back to the Movies, and occasionally in other places, um, including Good Trash. But hey. So we are um, saying goodbyes in some ways, and we are also um, saying hello, um, uh, I guess. And there is no better way than uh, to celebrate the rampant debauchery of the last four years than, uh, than with this movie. Is it? Okay. All right. Well, um, without any further ado, I guess let's go ahead and identify the voices uh, around the table. Our, our two short timers uh, will go to you first, straight across, and then to my right. I am Arthur Gordon, and last year I produced 49 million podcasts, which really pissed me off because I was three shy of a million a week. There you go. <laughs> That's a fair point. Thank you very much for that, sir. To my right, who are you? Uh, my name's Caleb Masters, and, and uh, Alex, I'll tell you one thing. I'm never eating at Benihana's again. I don't care whose birthday it is. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, to someone who is never leaving, like myself and uh, Jordan Belfort, who are you, ma'am? My name's Alexander Bohannon, and I fucked her brains out for about 11 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't understand you had that problem. That's interesting to know. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, uh, curious. I have uh, a little more longevity in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Dustin Sells, and it's okay, dear. I live for the 60s. Enjoy the day. <laughs> and I am uh, glad... True story, he did. <laughs> I did. Um, twice. Uh, but we don't want to talk about it. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm here to uh, discuss The Wolf of Wall Street with my illustrious co-hosts. Um, and uh, we, what we're doing today, though, um, to reward you, dear listener, if you are tuning into the Good Trash Genre Cast for the very first time, is this is not a review show. It is an analysis show. And that means we may spoil uh, parts of the plot, although at times the plot tells us that we don't care about the plot. But nonetheless, uh, we may do that some um, throughout the show, but we'll try to give you some reprieves in these ways. We will start with a synopsis, which of course will be spoiler-free. Our thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, also spoiler-free. We will play our game, which will imply vi mild spoilers about the film. I about said vile spoilers. I think that's just what I'm thinking about the movie at this point. Uh, mild spoilers about the film and perhaps other films in its orbit, and insofar as it uh, relates to our discussion. And then finally, when we get down to business, all spoiler bets are off, and you have now been Warned. So, thus, and therefore, for the last time, Mr. Arthur Gordon, let's hear the voice of the cinema give us a synopsis of The Wolf of Wall Street. The true story of Jordan Belfort, who does everything shy of killing a guy, literally everything shy of killing a guy, and gets away with it because he's white. <laughs> 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 Being male and rich also really helps. But white, yeah, definitely. Yeah, white and white collar. The white collar helps quite a bit as well. Is that right? Uh, you, you nailed it. Okay. Uh, I think so. That, that'll totally work for me. Okay. Um, and that was grammatically correct, so... 
we appreciate that. You just went off to IMDb. Good job, I'll send Arthur. that to IMDb. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be excellent. Okay, so without any further ado, let's go ahead and hear those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I've been listening to these two schmucks talk for a little while um, already. Alex says you were the latecomer this morning. So, so I want to just hear your um, briefest uh, thoughts about your opinion of The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a... Uh... Uh, well, <laughs> a bacchanalia uh, is one word that comes into mind. Sodom and Gomorrah is another. Um, words that are really epitomize this movie. I know that my dad watched this movie like when it came out, not really knowing about it at all. He just like, oh, it's about Wall Street brokers. He's Whoopsie. like, and then there's he was thoroughly impressed, right? He was uh, he was flabbergasted. <laughs> To say a word, I got an earful about. It's like there's like there's so many hookers. There's so much blow. <laughs> That's a better synopsis. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Much hookers, many blow. <laughs> much wow. Um, this movie, I think. I mean, I didn't live in this particular era. It feels like it kind of sums up what it was to be in, you know, the wild, wild west of Wall Street at the time. Um, the performance from Leo, this should have been his Oscar. That was Definitely. a travesty yep. that they gave, didn't give it to him for this and gave it to him just because he climbed in a bear or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> so was like... Can we, make another, can we make a spinoff movie about the actor who will do literally anything, literally anything uh, to get the Oscar? Shot him a bear when he was only three. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, it, it, it didn't... This movie, yeah. I mean... It's this movie works on the backs of its performers. Obviously, um, you have this great cast, and you have these surprise, you know, ca- kind of cameos th- thrown in there from time to time, and you're like, "Oh, that guy from that thing," and that's really cool. I feel like that works. Um, Scorsese has a length problem in the sense that it's too long. That's what she said. Whoa, uh, you know, <laughs> jokes. Oh, <laughs> sorry, it's stupid. Th- th- I'm tired. Th- thanks for cutting us off. We were all waiting yeah, just for the moment to make no. the joke, but go ahead. Um, Scorsese has a, has a um, time duration problem about, like, I guess that would be, I don't know, five eighths into the movie. Cause I am like a fourth doesn't cut it. I think about five eighths. I'm like, Man, he's rich and his life sucks. I'm really bored. Um, and like it's just like I really wanted the pace to be picked up a little bit there because getting to the being filthy fel- rich part was really interesting. Him being like life's good, and then going into life sucks is fine. It just it felt like we spent. I mean, I know we have to punish him because he kind of gets away with everything at the end. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it got a little long there. And I kept on like standing up to look at the, the DVD counter and being like, okay, so I know this is three hours. So where are we at? And it felt like I was watching the movie for 10 years. And unlike what Dalton says, because he likes to throw shade at me for not having attention span to watch long movies, I liked Silence in terms of its length a lot better than this movie. So don't come at me. I will fucking kill you. Um, it, it, it's okay. Sorry. It, it, I was channeling my little Jordan Belfort there. <laughs> well, and, and Silence is a much tighter film. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the length works really well for this. The length on this sprawling colossus of debauchery is, you know, I don't know if it works for it. It might work against it, actually. Um, the one thing I, because a lot of people always compare this movie and The Big Short, um, I find The Big Short, in terms of being tighter, like, that makes it help sell it being more compelling. Um, but 
yeah, that's those are my gists of my review. All right, well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan and Mister Caleb Masters. What have you to say? Yeah, I actually agree with Alex on pretty much all counts. I've seen this is the fourth time I've seen this movie, and I go back oh and my forth. God. Well, I go back and forth from loving it to liking it to hating it on a pretty regular basis. Like there are there are Probably moments during the watch. It, it, during you know, the it, watch. it does. It does happen. And then there are jokes that are so funny, but I feel so bad because I laugh at them. But then later, I mean, before we were recording, we were just like shooting quotes off at each other just because. And it's like it's a very quotable film that's really funny. It's wrong. It's dirty. I, I felt like I need to take a very lengthy shower after the film was over. This is this movie, it's it's a really it's a really interesting film film and i i don't i still even what was this like four years later three years later after it came out i'm still wrapping my head around how i feel about it ultimately um because the one one thing is i, I agree alex this film feels like it goes on for way 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 too long however i think one of the things that this film as a as a piece is trying to get out it, it's trying to critique excess so by being excessive even in its length is it is that a, is that a, a problem in the is that a flaw in the film or is that scorsese scorsese trying to have some sort of commentary on excessively long movies Um, because I think he wants you to feel like you're ready for it to be over 45 minutes before it's over. Um, Right. And so I I don't know. I have very – the film does feel rather long. Yeah. Um, And it does feel like it's all over the place. And honestly, in that last, like, middle – Second it's like act. the fifth eight, yeah, uh, five eights. <laughs> it, it definitely feels to the point where it gets almost episodic in the things that are happening. Like it's no longer cohesive. It's like, well, and then this happened, and they yes, they all sort of kind of tie together to tell a story. But like, it's like, man, you could have cut out any three of these, and it would have been just fine. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, okay, when do we get to the quaaludes? Because like that's usually like my marker of like, okay, things happen, and then quaaludes, and then. You know, you're talking about now. There's quite a lot of the film. You're talking about when he goes into the serial palsy phase, right? Yes, whenever cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. Thank you. Um, no, yeah, whenever he takes the you know good shit quaaludes or what have you. Um, yeah. So that um that usually is like oh this is where we are in the movie, but yeah. So th- this film though, uh, it's really interesting. I-, I think this time I liked it, not quite loving it. Uh, I think it's definitely a film that's going to stick around for a long time. We're going to be looking back on. Um, but uh, last thing, I outside of Leo's performance, which again this far and away was his Oscar winning film he- that he should have had. Uh, Jonah Hill also amazing, also great. I loved him. He was hysterical and not the n- typical Jonah Hill sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate that. He's got some of the best lines and best moments in the movie. Uh, Margot Robbie, this was like only her second or third uh, feature film, and she killed it, and she was amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I think this is still a really top-notch film, despite having really conflicted feelings about it. Fair enough. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, you picked this movie. What do you think of it? I think it is um, – I, mean, I, I do I echo Caleb and Alex a lot, I think um, – it is excessively long, and I do think that it does lose steam quite a bit. But I think it is very funny, and I think it does, um, you know, have this very poignant uh, mirror. It's pointing back at a very specific time and this kind of debauchery and excess of Wall Street. Uh, but to Kayla's point, uh, it is very episodic. It plays throughout the whole film. It plays more like a uh, comedy than it does a drama. And and I think obviously going back to Goodfellas, which is the main you know counterpoint to this and the parallel of a film. You know, that drama, I think, works a lot better, and it's also 30 minutes shorter, but it it works a lot tighter. And I think a three-hour comedy is just hard because you do lose steam because you're hitting so many laughs up front. I mean, the first 30 minutes of this film is just nonstop quotable comedy, and I I think that does exhaust you in some, some ways as well. Uh, but overall, like Kayla said, the performance is all great. I love seeing Rob Reiner here. I love seeing John Favreau here. 
Uh, it's really interesting, I think, to choose them. These, you know, these two, you know, prolific directors to kind of come in and take these parts. It's really fun. I love uh, McConaughey. I love uh, Margot Robbie and Leo. Yeah, I mean, Leo's performance here to hit from drama to that very, very, very physical style of slapstick comedy that he's doing. Uh, is is great. I mean, he's you know doing the Buster Keaton thing, that Chaplin thing, and it's fantastic uh, when he hits the cerebral palsy stage. That whole moment is just brilliant. I I think yeah, this this should have been his Oscar. I mean, I'm not going to negate that. I think this even Django, I would have given an Oscar before I would have given it to him for uh, the Revenant. Um, but <clears throat> overall, I think it's solid. I you know it's it's a fun work from Scorsese. I think it does some really cool stuff. It's not one of his masterpieces, you know, I wouldn't put it up there in the top echelon of his work, but it's it's a good showing from a director who still knows how to make a movie. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I also feel like I like this movie, although <laughs> I, I you also... You feel bad admitting it? I feel bad admitting it. I feel that I feel that I need to bathe, uh, like yeah. Caleb, uh, immediately upon watching it. Um, but I think the reason why it works, and uh, this might address some of the questions of length, uh, as well is that it is about excess and it, it sort of fundamentally has to connect that and do so excessively um, and we were talking about this a little bit off air there there are films and there's a frequent criticism of film that if you depict drug and alcohol use or you depict some sort of other criminal or otherwise bad behavior that it's in some way a tacit endorsement of said behavior and uh, what the film really effectively does I think is depict those behaviors but just keep on depicting them to such an extent to such excess with all these episodes and all these additional bits which again don't have a whole lot to do with the narrative which could have been cut out but what they do is they sort of have a cumulative overall effect where you're like this is icky and i want nothing to do with it if that makes sense right and i i think that makes it a little helpful you know in yeah. that way and, I, and, I th and, and so in a sense that that becomes almost a strength of the film because without it, it might have made uh, being a Wall Street broker look sexy, which um, there are people who make those movies, but I don't think Scorsese would have wanted to. Sure. And yeah, and I think that your point gets to what um, Caleb was saying as well um, a bit earlier. Um, yeah. And one interesting thing that because I was talking to my friend about this movie and The Big Short, and then she kind of cut to the meat and potatoes of it. Um, and she said that for her, The Big Short, you know they, you know, realize that what they're doing is bad, but they get away with it and it doesn't seem like the movie is punishing them. Um, whereas this, we have so much of them getting away with it and how much, like, shittiness that they are as humans. And we really fully are immersed in this world and it's like, maybe by the in the beginning you're like, yeah, I'd love to jerk off twice a day and do coke at lunch. That sounds great. But maybe by the end you're like, oh my God, why the fuck would I want any of this because it is all horrible. Um, and I think that that kind of gets to what you're saying and what Kayla was saying. The excess really reinforces, you know, could you do this film without the excess? I don't know, actually, like just being honest. And that's kind of one of the traits of it, for better right, or for worse, right. right? Like, we're going to remember that, man, this movie was way too long. It yeah. felt like it was way too long. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, and that's kind of, it's it's like a good, it's like a, it's a highlight and a low light. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I'm not alone in being like, when is this movie over, dear Jesus? But, like, I'm glad that it feels purposeful in it being excessive, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, I, I appreciate that, but I also feel the sort of 
languor of just when will this finally end, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, I definitely have that sense. But Leo's performance, Jonah Hill's performance are all amazing. Uh, Scorsese's direction is always, you know, just top notch. Uh, his uh, ability to intercut uh, use of VHS film, uh, things from like sort of mock lifestyles of rich and famous yeah. stuff, uh, and uh, sort of connecting all of those uh, different dots, uh, the Stratton, Oakmont uh, advertising uh, piece at the front end of the film, all of that, I think is just really, really fascinating. Um, and again, he's just he's, he's a stellar director and a national treasure uh, for both the United States and Italy to an extent, I would yeah. say. Um, and, and he didn't get the best director Oscar for this. Yeah, well, yeah, the Academy. Anyway, they don't but, like Scorsese very much, despite they'll nominate his very, stuff. He doesn't win very often, though. I, like, I mean, because I remember the year he got that Lifetime Achievement Award. So I think I felt I feel like that was just like, okay, we can nominate you, but you never have to win ever. Now, yeah, congrats. <laughs> well, I mean, one for The Departed, but I mean, yeah. finally, after you know how many years of producing amazing stuff, right? Yeah. Well, it should have been Goodfellas, and everybody knows that. Right. And it's uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Good well, I didn't. I I knew that there was baggage, but I didn't know if they there was an active beef. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not aware, but I I mean, uh, Dalton has a theory that um, Scorsese and Leo both slept with some producer's daughter yeah. at some point. Yeah. Someone, Perhaps someone very the, powerful in Hollywood. At the same time. Perhaps oh, at the shit. same time. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe they. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and thus, it was a uh, Saturday. The office was empty. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were at the beach. <laughs> but anyway, so that's uh, that's what we think about the Wolf of Wall Street, guys. And we'd like to have a conversation with each other about this, and we're going to continue in that conversation. But we'd also want you to be participants in said conversation. So I go to you, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. Um, do you know anything about a way the conversation can be held on the interwebs? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find us at Good Trash Media. Dot com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can also find us on Instagram at good trash media. You can find us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM. And you can find us at Twitter at good underscore trash. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. And of course, if you guys uh, participate in the conversation, we'll have a chance to talk more at you and with you about these films. Uh, also, you can always do a, a thing that helps us very, very much, which is to rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes. We cannot tell you how immensely helpful that is, so please do so. But enough of this, guys. I think it's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. That's right, dear listeners, and this week's game is Careers Films Talked You Out Of. That's right, Careers Films Talked You Out Of, brought to you by The Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street. You mean you don't want a candle up your ass so that a dominatrix can put you into submission with it? Wolfie, Wolfie, Wolfie. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a bit about this film. Uh, I'm going to go to you first, Arthur. What are some careers uh, the movies talked you out of? Yeah, I wanted to work on oil rig and drill, and then I watched Armageddon, and I got really scared about uh, asteroids and having to sacrifice myself on the moon. Um, I, I really wanted to be a pilot, uh, but I couldn't get my alcohol problem under control, and so I watched Flight, and that really scared me away from there. 
Um, I was yeah. going to be a flight attendant, and then I saw a flight, and I thought, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I can't trust those people. You know, I really wanted to be a space trucker, and then I watched Alien, and <laughs> I, no one can hear you scream. I wanted to be a real trucker, and then I saw um, Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I don't want that Sasquatch beast following me around in the Pork Chop Express. Wait, you don't want Arthur following you around in the Pork Chop Express? Ooh. Oh, I always want Arthur following <laughs> me around. I like Pork Chops. <laughs> I love you. I'll miss you. So I wanted to be a FedEx guy, and then I watched, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then I, I watched Castaway. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't get that emotionally connected to a volleyball, guys. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I also wanted to be an astronaut until I watched like literally every space movie ever. Apollo thirteen. Yeah, talk me out of it real fast. Uh, Christopher Nolan, Interstellar. Definitely not going to space, guys. Yeah. yeah. You don't get stuck behind a wall. Yeah. Longing for your child. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to be a magician until I saw The Prestige. That oh, one yeah. definitely talked me out of that, that, that career really fast. Um, you know, being a Jedi was a dream of mine. <laughs> and then I watched the Star Wars prequels. Oh, uh, ew. I was going to work in a, uh, I wanted to be a psychiatrist to work in a uh, asylum one time. And then I watched Halloween yeah. and realized I didn't want to chase some uh, seven foot guy around town for uh, every year on October 31st. I also wanted to be a psychiatrist in an asylum, but then I watched uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, and I, God. I, an old friend didn't, I didn't want them I to have I really wanted dinner. to be an FBI agent. And I thought it'd be really cool to fight the cartel. And then I watched Sicario. Damn it. That nope. was one of mine. <laughs> didn't happen for me. Yep. Do, uh, not, do not fight Benicio del Toro, that's for sure. No, no. Uh, Benicio del Toro versus uh, Hannibal Lecter. That's uh, the, the mashup I want. Celebrity death match. Celebrity death match. Make it happen. Bring it back, celebrity death match. <laughs> well, I thought I also wanted to be not just an astronaut, but a space marine. And I watched Aliens and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> and basically every uh, A release from like big uh, gaming networks, it's Space Marines just yeah, Space bad. Marines have it bad. Space Marines have it bad. They're uh, like the red shirts of that universe. Exactly. Uh, I also thought I might want to be a priest, but then I watched The Lords of Salem, and oh, that nope. sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, Exorcist scared me from that one. Yeah, or I mean, I also wanted to be a radio DJ, and then uh, Lords of Salem just kind of scared me away from a lot of career paths. I was cool with that until I watched Pontypool and then I was like nope oh, nope yeah. definitely not a radio DJ yeah yeah <laughs> um I also thought I wanted to be a, ro- a robot beta tester but then I watched Ex Machina and <laughs> fuck that <laughs> at one point I thought I might want to be a podcaster and then I've watched uh, the latest Kevin Smith films and I just don't think I want to be oh, a yeah. oh yeah. shade thrown yeah. yeah Kevin Smith I, I can't podcast he's still got more money than you so that's true don't worry about it you know I don't know if you guys knew this but when I was a kid I had dreams of being a ballet star oh, yeah. uh, and then I watched Black, Black Swan, Swan and I don't think I'd handle it <laughs> or, the, or the red shoes I mean <laughs> either one either one you know I was really excited about working as a, in a zoo as a kid and then I watched Split it scared me away from that one pretty quickly oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> alright dear listener I think you have an idea of what it's like in prep now uh, for the good trash genre cast sometimes and so uh, that was some fun gameplay I like the uh, rapid fire machine gunning of those picks uh, dear co-hosts we'd love to hear your picks via those magical means of social media of social media socially media are you drunk social media <laughs> it is it it's is. the only way to watch Wolf of Wall Street like, talk about it's it. like 3 in the morning and um, it's not it's like 9 in the morning socially media as social media nonetheless uh have the conversation with us on that and i'm yeah let's get down to business
That's right, dear listener, and that business is, as always, analysis. And uh, we're going to have something of a roundtable discussion, but um, I want to talk uh, briefly before we begin that, because there is sort of a big E on the I chart in terms of analysis with this film, with its critique of capitalism and the way that it works. And so we will move into that momentarily. But I want to talk a little bit about form. Because this film frequently is addressed as uh, the Goodfellas of stockbrokers, uh, because of Martin Scorsese, because of the voiceover narration, um, the the way that it works is much like Ray Liotta's arc. He always wanted to be a gangster. Uh, Jordan Belfort always wanted to be very very rich as a stockbroker, and it begins to tell the story of the slow descent and fall. Um, and yes, indeed, all of those things are present. But as I consider um, a young David Boardwell and uh, a little bit of formalist analysis, um, because initially as I was approaching this film and thinking about what to do for analysis, I was going to talk a bit about the introduction, about how uh, we become aware of what's happening in the movie very early. Uh, communicative, uh, communicative, excuse me, um, self-aware uh, uh, exposition uh, that begins, sort of intense exposition that begins any film. And so you see uh, that Oakmont commercial, Stratton Oakmont commercial. You see uh, bits of a video uh, from their lives, and then you sort of see Jordan Belford um, played by Leonardo DiCaprio talking directly to the camera, giving that address, and this is who I am, this is my life, this is what I'm about. But as I thought about the film more, I realized it has much more in common with one Douglas Sirk than it does with one Francis Ford Coppola. Um, Douglas Sirk is famous for his 50s melodramas, uh, most famously known for um, All That Heaven Allows or Written in the Wind, uh, these great sort of melodramas which expose uh, bourgeoisie values, and uh, they're all about the emotion that it's experienced. And as I watch the film, I realize what we're doing is we're watching a visceral melodrama, that it is about feelings. It is about emotions, but it's not so much about emotional life or character, and the melodrama is very well known for its uh, very, very two-dimensional sort of characters. And despite that Leo gives a brilliant performance in this film, I don't know anything about this person. I don't know what kind of person he is. There's a, there's this great confrontation scene where his first wife uh, catches him sort of in the act uh, with uh, Margot Robbie's character, and uh, he, she says he's, an, he's a completely different kind of person. I don't I don't know that. I don't know any of those things. I don't know anything about Jonah Hill. Yeah, well, because we don't meet him until he's already starting his first job. Right. So at that point, he's already an adult. So we don't. But you're right. We don't learn anything about him. And, and there is no development of him as a character, right? Uh, you know, the, the the police officer, the FBI agent, again, is just a straight arrow Boy Scout, right? It, it, it it's all very much typecast, sort of uh, very big characters. And um, rather than uh, the the story coming out of the characters in a drama, as Sidney Lumet says, uh, rather the story produces characters in a melodrama, and that's exactly what we're experiencing here. And the uh, emotion, unlike these sort of, again, uh, what they called in the 50s the women's film, what they called in the 1930s the weepies, which were all these melodramas, were these films that were very much about sadness and longing and, you know, uh, love lost or uh, duty to children and to family. Again, a very sort of a, a, a female-oriented kind of cinema. This film is uh, something of a masculine uh, melodrama, uh, and I would say less so masculine and more so just merely purely visceral, that we experience uh, disgust, uh, arousal, um, we, we are aghast, we are uh, we, we laugh, right? Uh, it is, it's very, very funny uh, on many levels, but um, it is, in some senses, a, a real revival of the melodramatic mode of filmmaking, which is something that we tie to those, you know, Perils of Pauline 19 teen silent films where some mustachioed villain is uh, tying some, you know, uh, chaste virgin to the railroad tracks, and uh, this is, this is, this is of the same uh, cloth as that particular film. 
And I just I, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was worthy of pointing out. Oh yeah, I totally buy that. That makes a lot of sense. So, it, it feels more like a morality play than it does like that these are cut and paste like, like these are real fleshed out human beings. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I co- totally agree. And I think strongly the Wolf of Wall Street is a morality play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. it is definitely casting uh the Wall Street um stockbroker tycoons as villains, which comes to the more sort of obvious analysis uh which is um capitalism. Um I don't think uh, the movie likes it, guys. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? I think the movie, uh, when it comes to capitalism, it, it has very complex feelings about capitalism because, and I think, you know, the same with Martin Scorsese, because this film um, does celebrate and bask and fetishize all of the things the drugs, the women, uh, the wealth, all of those things. Um, it, it does very much say, yeah. Oh, it's bad. It's bad, guys. All these things I'm doing are so bad, but it's kind of fun. I love it. You know, it, so it, it's doing that. But one thing I, I and I, I think another thing that the film does is it's putting uh, up the the status of the wealthy um, and kind of uh, really, put, you know, casting a reflection on the American dream. And we've talked about that on this podcast a lot. But, you know, this idea that, yeah, uh, you know, life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity uh, for each uh, according to the ability or achievement uh, regarding uh, regardless of social class and circumstance at birth. Right. So we see a middle class guy rise up to the ranks. And at a certain point, he actually has so much money that he gets to write his own version of the truth, right? Like, so that they, they kind of hint at it uh, earlier in the film because uh, he's like, yeah, you know, actually my Porsche is not that color. It's a different, it's red, not white, or, you know, whatever. White, not red. White, yeah. right, not red, yeah. So, you know, and then the film does this. So I think what, what you're looking at is a film that kind of wants to feel bad about it, but I don't know if it really does because at the end of the day, uh, Jordan Belfort, the actual Jordan Belfort, still got out clean, still a millionaire, and still made a million dollars off this movie. So he got to write his own story. Am I right? Like, even though I think the story, the, the film itself within the context of the film is, oh, yeah, this is bad and awful. I, I really do think there's something to be said about the fact that Jordan Belfort got to write how he, he is remembered as a scumbag. Right. Well, I mean, I think the the biggest parallel to this literally in the text of the movie is the Forbes article, because you have that interviewer she comes to talk to jordan belfort he thinks that she's just straight shooting you know it's about his rise meteoric rise in wall street and it ends up being you know that's where the titular wolf of wall street comes from and um she completely uh annihilates and lampoons him but you know as his wife said well all free all press is good press even if it's you know casting you in a negative light and then the next day you have like you know, hundreds of little scumbag uh, frat boys trying to apply for a job for him. Um, And I think that's kind of the same thing that we got going on here. While that, yeah, on the surface level, the movie is like very critical of his lifestyle and critiques it. But at the same time, you cannot deny the fact that some people, even after reading how terrible this shit is, will still want to come into this lifestyle because they have an excuse to be a terrible human being and get paid shit tons of money for it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, Alex. I, I really do think that, you know, I know some people who have watched this film and it's kind of like the people who watched Breaking Bad and thought Walter White was a badass. You know, you missed the point, guys. Like right, it's a, exactly. And I think there are people out there who are going to see that. So to that, to, to, your, to your point, though, I don't know if the film is as crystal clear as we'd like to think to think it is um i I read it that way because i'm also bringing you know you know my own reading Mm -hmm. to the film is like yo this is very critical of capitalism but i think it's pretty subjective 
Uh, Caleb just brought up a really great point. A lot of that is what do you bring to the movie as well? Because as we talked about off air, uh, there are people that watched this movie and just thought it was a celebration of those things. And so you have to kind of, if you don't have those buffers there to help walk you through it, you may miss those points. And and this is a film. And another one uh, in that same vein was Don Don Juan, I thought. Yeah. Uh, which had, you know, a really good message, but I think it kind of cut its nose off at, at times. I think this may do that as well uh, because there is just so much humor. And I think, that might kind of mask some of those more important aspects to to a casual audience uh, who may not have the same sort of uh, information uh, or history at their disposal as some other people who watch this movie. Sure. I mean, I would I would hold up my father's reaction, you know, just being mm-hmm. flabbergasted at all the hookers and blow as like a as an an example of this, because he's not he is going to into this as, you know, a. Yeah, he's a college professor, but he's kind of a conservative Christian type dude. And so he's going into it with that lens. And so he, in watching this movie, he's only seeing, he's repulsed why what's on screen, but he can only see that level. He can't see that, that it's a critique. He's only seeing that it is being celebrated. And I think that there is, there, there will be that, that big facet of the audience that will only see it as a celebration to be like hell yeah and see it or see it as a celebration to be like fuck that and but but never see it deeper than that and seeing if that it is critiquing capitalism wall street you know white privilege all these things yeah and i and i just want to bring bring back up the 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 actual jordan belfort story because i think this is a a really interesting artifact in that point because jordan this this film is based off of jordan belfort's book and he was he made a million dollars off the rights and he's still he he made an appearance in the movie uh, at the at the end of the film and a cameo. So like, again, is it a critique of capitalism in the same way that I would argue that him and Scorsese are critiquing capitalism? But both of them are both very well off. And again, oh, I was a white collar criminal, but guess what? I still got to write my own story, which is not uh, a, a privilege or opportunity that's given to most people. Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair. And I I think the thing I would say is that I, built into the iconography is the reading, and you have to sort of, again, have um, eyes to see or uh, a desire to see those kinds of things. Because I think about Zizek a lot when I watch this movie, um, as I think about Zizek a lot in I, general. I, I, isn't this a daily thing for you, Dustin? Yeah, I've yeah. seen that tattoo. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, it's, it's a very hidden spot. I'll uh, be watching you. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, Zizek uh, uh, talks a bit about, um, in the the Fragile Absolute, um, his book on religion uh, about uh, about capitalism, and uh, he talks uh, how that it is an idolatrous system. It is a system that is about the worship of something, uh, some sort of false god. And what it does is it cuts you off from the human family. And he says, you know, you, you can see it if we would consider the high church of capitalism to be Wall Street. Um, do they not have a golden calf out in the front yard? Yeah. You know, which is a brilliant observation. And the idea then about a, a real sort of authentic community is. One that's animated by love, a love for one another, and that sort of shared love that is the animus of of that sort of people. And what we see throughout the story of Jordan Belfort is his uh, basically he's slowly cutting himself off from the human family. He ends up uh, being a person that he has people he does things with, but they're not friends. He ends up having having a woman in his life that he sleeps with, but she's not a lover, right? I mean, he ends up in in, in some senses uh, with surrounded by people and utterly alone. It's all social status. They all want his money. They're all business partners. Right. They're uh, you know his his you know trophy air quotes trophy wife. You know just wants his money. You know it's and the and the things that come along with that the yachts and the and the and the excess. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, Dustin. 
Alrighty, guys. Well, this has been a fun conversation about One Wolf of Wall Street. It's a movie that is uh, worthy of some conversation. But we come to a point in the show where we must render a verdict. Uh, we must tell uh, each other and you, the dear listener, whether we would put this film on our shelf and allow humans to see it or uh, if we would put it in the trash. What shame may or may not go with those decisions. So I'm curious to hear uh, what you all say. I go to you first. Picker of the film. Is this a shelfer for you? Did you pick a shelfer? And if so, what else? If not, what instead? Uh, it's on a secret shelf that is uh, inside of a safe, which is tucked away from uh, most humanity uh, with very, very care uh, given to who sees it, I suppose. Uh, else, I think, uh, as I'm sure we'll be mentioned again, uh, you watch The Big Short. Obviously, I think that pairs well here. Goodfellas, obviously. Uh, Spring Breakers, I think, uh, highlights uh, a lot of the same themes here, and I think it's important to watch with this. Um, I, th- I think you watch... Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Jean Dujardin, who makes an appearance here, and they say to watch The Artist, uh, because he gives a very, very similar performance to a DiCaprio in that movie, as it's a very physical performance, and he does great there, and I, I just like seeing him show up. Uh, and then uh, maybe go watch some uh, some old Buster Keaton, some old uh, Charlie Chaplin, and, and see the kind of stuff that... Uh, DiCaprio's channel in there because he's his performance here I can't speak highly enough it's it's a fantastic performance all the way through and it's probably one of the best performances I've seen in a long time excellent excellent thank you very much for that Mr. Arthur Gordon Mr. Caleb Masters what do you say show for trash else or instead yeah this is uh, again this is the selected shelf uh, the one that I, I don't show to just anybody because I, I do I, I do lo- I do like this film enough that I would rewatch it again and, and I, I would love to show it to certain people Certain people, again, highlight not everybody uh, because it's not a film that everyone needs to see or will even understand um, or will have the tools to, to, to really have the you know the, the insight and reading there. Um, Big Short, of course, uh, is a perfect pairing, I think, because you're looking at two, two facets of the corruption of capitalism uh, in, in the United States post the 2008 crash. Um, because uh, you know that that this is looking at Wall Street, that film's looking at the banks. Um, so really, really great film there. I think Alex and Arthur bringing that up is perfect. Um, you know we've already said Goodfellas. Um, I think Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is another really good one. If you want to see another film about excess and drugs and kind of that really weird ambiguous celebration and criticism of living that kind of drug life. Um, I also want to recommend the original uh, Wall Street uh, by Oliver Stone. I I really do feel like th- despite the fact that this is very much Goodfellas 2.0. I feel like this is a more of a successor to w- the original Wall Street than it is Goodfellas. Um, you mean just, as opposed to Wall Street Two: Money Never Sleeps? Oh, what my God! With 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 Shia, Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, yeah. No, no that that movie was a sad attempt. Uh, Oliver Stone, just go ahead and patch the, tor- uh, the torch off to someone uh, someone else because that film was looking at Wall Street in the '80s and the kind of corruption we saw there. This is looking at Wall Street again post 2008, and I think it's same corruption taken to a whole other level. And I think it's really interesting. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? Um, This movie is on a shelf in my house. I don't know if I could say that it is something that you should go out and buy. Um, In terms of quality, in terms of performance, in terms of everything, it is exceptional. So for that alone, I guess shelf would be... A correct answer to say, but I, I do wish to convey that there is hesitance by saying shelf. I, I think the selective shelf, your secret shelf, um, is a, that's a fine place to put this film. Um, in terms of else's to pair with the film, obviously the big short. We've talked about it enough. I love that movie quite a bit, and Margot Robbie also has a nice little cameo in it, um, which kind of 
you know, references this film. And, and the style of, of The Big Short is also very similar to uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I'd also go with Boiler Room because that movie was actually based on uh, the Jordan Belfort story, but it was like a loose adaptation of it uh, before uh, The Wolf of Wall Street came out. Um, and then I would also go with The Departed because that if we were going to see a Scorsese peak Scorsese movie that's the movie to watch um with this because that's the one that that got him that Oscar so I definitely would refer that um and that's about it it for me here Alrighty, well thank you very much for that Miss Alexander Bohannon I like this movie a lot um but no it is not a shelfer for me It, it it is it is a absolute testament to Martin Scorsese's ability to take something kind of uninteresting kind of basic um, and kind of, uh, you know, again, very, very thin. Wall Street brokers are debauched crooks. Movie. And that's it. He's not going to tell any story, really. He's, he's taking somebody else's story. And that one person rises and falls. But that's really all that happens. And it just simply demonstrates his prowess as a filmmaker, which is uh, evident throughout getting great performances from his actors and all that sort of stuff uh, that goes on. But really, there's better Scorsese movies out there. There's better Stockbroker stuff out there. There's better debauchery stuff out there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. But uh, as far as the uh, Scorsese oeuvre, this is one of the last movies I'd buy um, in, in so far. I'd rather buy his early stuff, like Boxcar Bertha or Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, uh, ahead of something like this, which are sort of considered his you know, uh, more uh, juvenile attempts, adolescent attempts at filmmaking. I'm sorry. I just have to throw this out there. Go see Silence, uh, his most recent film. Totally, totally different wheelhouse. But I just want to spread the word about that film. I I don't know how I left that off my recommends because it's it's great and it's uh, really fascinating. If you're going to keep up with later Scorsese, sorry, absolutely. Dustin. Well, there's like two Scorseses too, right? There's like these sort of gangster, you know, very very sort of sexy pictures, and then there's stuff like Age of Innocence, uh, stuff like Last Temptation of Christ and Silence, which are of a different sort. Yeah, he's like questioning his own faith and things yeah. like that. And of course the third Scorsese which is the music documentary Scorsese as well but uh, nonetheless. Uh, but what, what would you ought to watch instead? Uh, perhaps you ought to take uh, a look at a movie that is a one time watcher but it's about sort of the uh, downward spiral of this sort of excess which is Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Um, you should take a look at Paolo Pier Pasolini's Pier Paolo Pasolini's. I got it backwards. Uh, Salo or 120 Days of Sodom. Oh shit. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's it, it's it's a more masterful film in some ways, and uh, it's also, again, of the sort uh, of this film. But there's lots of things to be looking at, lots of conversations to be had, and so uh, there, there's there's a lot of uh, fun to be having uh, with this film. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, we'd love to hear your recommends and your else's and instead. We'd like to hear your gameplay. We'd like to hear your thoughts on The Wolf of Wall Street, and you can always do that uh, via uh, the social media means we have already mentioned thus far in the program. Now, we need to talk a little bit about next week. Uh, next week, we're going to have a bit of a transition. There could be some disruption in your schedule but we're going to try to keep this thing out uh, weekly and uh, hopefully there won't be an interruption but there is a real possibility that it could happen so you have been warned about that but in the meantime we can tell you this when we do come back we're going to check out a female filmmaker I like we're gonna, that we're going to check out an action film I also like that we're going to check out Patrick Swayze I really like that. All day. All day long. That's right, dear listener. We're going to be looking at Point Break, Surfers, Bank Robbery, and I am an FBI agent. I am so excited uh, to be talking about that uh, with my dear co-hosts. And this is what this is all about. This is all about the conversation about the films because the films themselves are so much more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation. So you keep watching. We're going to keep talking, and we'll see you all 
next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.